You're listening to the Victory Church Podcast. Here at Victory, we are called to equip a caring, committed community of worshipers to reach their world for Jesus. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. This book, Invite Your Neighbor, Change Your World, has actually changed my life. The reason is because in all of uh, my responsibilities to help other churches and other pastors read it, it has been amazing to see their response and their reaction. They have truly gotten the point of the, the, the exercises, the devotionals, and have been clamoring for more information and for more opportunities to participate. It has been an amazing journey for us at Victory Church as we continue to roll out all that has been uh, prescribed in the book or in the, in the plan. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit has taken over, and there is much more that we are doing than we had even, even originally planned. And it is all good. Inviting your neighbor, changing the world, is changing us as a church. And Victory has the wonderful blessing of being aligned, aligning our entire church around these ideas. It's been amazing. I am so excited that God prompted Pastor Ed to write it and prompted all of the church leadership to get, not just get behind it, but to truly put Victory in alignment with everything that God is saying and God is doing here. So far, this is the fourth week of a six-week worship experience, and I'm so excited that you are joining. We have talked about Invite Your Neighbor. Pastor Ed preached on Save to Serve. I love that sermon. In fact, I've loved all of those sermons, these sermons. And last week was developing a heart for our marginalized neighbor, and this week we're talking about developing a heart for God and his church. And I call this church love. As we as a family look at church love, I'm reminded that that really is our purpose. That is our divinely orchestrated purpose that God has called us into being to demonstrate to the world his love by our love for one another. Our purpose is to love God with everything that we have and to love others as ourselves. That is our purpose. The Lord Jesus gave us that purpose. And as it is demonstrated and and accentuated when it happens in the church, the body of Christ, God has called us to this church love. And the interesting thing about this church love, about this experience is As we engage, as we obey the Lord, it actually completes our love. As we obey the Lord, it actually gives us a greater sense, not only of his calling, but the completion, because that's what we were intended to do. The greatest love in all the world is God's love. But the world can't see it the way we see it. The world can't understand it because they don't have the Holy Spirit. But 
as the world looks to see the love of God, this is how God set it up. It has to be viewed through broken and cracked vessels like you and me, like us. We are clay pots. We're cracked, and the glory of God shines through the cracks. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 7 and, and verse 10, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. In verse 10, we always carry about in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. And the body that it's talking about here is not talking about our physical body, but our fellowship, our community. So that the life of Jesus is revealed in our community, the glory of God shines through our cracks and our broken pieces. Jesus' prayer in John 17 will be our body text for this message. In John 17, Jesus first prays for himself. It's a very intimate prayer and conversation between he and the Father. Then he prays for his disciples, for the 12. Then he prays for us. Us? Yes, those who will believe his message. Those who will believe or, or who will hear the message of those who believe in the Lord Jesus and are following him, those who will believe in him because of our message. An amazing chain of how God has, has hooked this up and given us a significant role to play in the outpouring of his spirit. And so we understand that he is praying for unity. We understand that he is praying for not conformity and not even uniformity. He is praying that we would be one as he and the Father are one. He is praying that we would find oneness and completeness in his love. And that is an amazing thing when you think about it. It's like, whoa, you mean, Lord, he is actually praying that we be to each other as he and the Father are to each other. That is an amazing thing. And it's kind of scary, to be honest with you, when you think about it, because you think, oh, I can't do that. And you are absolutely right. You can't. We can't. I can't. We can't. But we are called to be that because we trust him. Our life purpose is to reveal God's glory through his love. The power that we need in order to accomplish that, he gives us. And when he gives it, as he gives it to us, we put God first as our top priority, loving him first. And when we love God first, we have preferences. We prefer one another. Amen? And if we live like that, with God first, preferring one another, we offer the world proof of God's love for them. Proof of God's love. God has called us to his purpose. 
His purpose is to display, display Jesus' authority through love. So often when we hear the word authority, we think of control and, 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 and a show of force. And indeed, Jesus' authority is all of that. But it is demonstrated through his love. John 17, 20 says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in their message. You see, our purpose is revealed in God's call for us to share his message with the world. The message is our belief in or our faith that has taken place in all that God has called us to be and do. The Great Commission, which is the church commission, found in Matthew's gospel, the 28th chapter, Matthew 28, 18 and 20 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, Now this is the final uh, declaration or commission that the Lord gives his disciples, his apostles. Then he came to them and he said, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, the church's mission, the Great Commission, is to experience the presence of God, and as we experience the presence of God, share that presence with other people. How? By inviting them into our fellowship, by inviting them into this community, by inviting them into this love fest, into this church love. You see, it, it's not about you or me or how we feel about each other. It's about us accepting God's call on our life and fulfilling the commission with the power that he gives us. Our authority to do this commission, to fulfill this great commission, is found in his presence. As we experience God's presence, we are able to fulfill the calling that God has for us. As we, as we love him with everything that he has given us, we fulfill the purpose of God. Power. I love that word. His love gives us his power to be a witnesses, to be witnesses to the world. His love gives us his power to be witnesses to the world. John 17, 21 that all of them, he, Jesus continuing to pray, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I are one, as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may know you have sent me. Wow. I mean, that is a, a powerful not just mission statement, that is a powerful charge. But this is Jesus asking God the Father to fulfill this. This is Jesus saying, God, would you do this? 
an, an amazing role that we have. It's like, and Jesus is saying, God, I am praying for them that they would be one as we are one. May, I, may they be in me and I be in them as you are in me. Unbelievable. This unity, this, this, and that provides the power to accomplish everything that the Lord has called us to do. God's power enables us to go beyond our inadequacies. You see, we are inadequate. We are, we are, we are not sufficient, self-sufficient in and of ourselves to accomplish this. When Jesus was uh, in another place, when Jesus was, was giving his, his, his final statement just before the ascension, they were asking him, uh, Lord, is the kingdom going to come now? And he said, not for you to know those things, but you will be my witnesses, Acts 1.8. You will be my witnesses. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Jamaria, uh, uh, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We are God's witnesses. Not because we thought it was a great idea, and not because we think, well, you know, maybe I can get, but because he has commissioned us to do that, and we have received the power, the anointing to accomplish it. We can't accomplish it on our own. We can't love each other on our own. We need the Holy Spirit, watch this, not just working on the outside reminding us, but working on the inside, from the inside out, to continue to what do what? Reveal the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus is revealed as we die to ourselves and allow him to live through us. I love God's word. It answers all of the questions. And, and so often when we begin to come into this community, we have so many questions about God, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And, and we have come from a place of isolation. The enemy wants us isolated and separated. When we come to the body, it, it goes against our natural inclination. Our natural inclination is rugged individualism. Do our own thing. That's our natural inclination. But the supernatural incarnation of God the, 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 what God calls us to is he calls us to union. He calls us to be one as he is one, not the same, but he calls us to be joined in purpose, joined in faith, joined in our faith of God. And we need love and community to fulfill our call. John 14, verse 15 says, if you love me, keep my commands. And 16, he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will send you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. How long? Forever. Forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. He lives with you and will be with you, and I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. We're not doing it alone. We're not by ourselves. We're in a community of other believers, but also in the community with the Holy Spirit. 
He said, I would not leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you out there by yourself. I'm not going to call you to do something that you can't do and then say, figure it out. That's not God's way. He's filled us with his spirit, his presence, his power, his anointing, and his love. And he simply says, share it. You see, as we do that, as we trust God, not trust other people, we cannot trust other people. We cannot to inch our way along through, through uh, 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 you know, feeling good about things because that won't work. But God has called us to be in community. We have a videotape of, of a gentleman, a young man who is part of our church, one of our emerging leaders who has figured some things out about community. Let's watch this. It's... It's amazing that we're, we're filming this right now because uh, a year ago I was baptized and a year before that God put someone in my life to put me back on the path and save me, um, which ended up me le or going to victory. And the best part was as soon as I got to victory, I felt like I was at home. I was born and raised in Phoenixville and I love this town, I love this area and I I'm so big on communities because I grew up and I didn't really have community. I knew a bunch of people, but I was never close with others. Um, so going out and talking about God, finding believers, helping other people find that light, it's so important to me because I get to do what Jesus called us to do. The more I serve God, the more I get to um, be in communion with Him, uh, the more He gets to work through me and I get to grow in his presence. Um, I get to become more aware of who he is, why he did what he did, and I get to enjoy that and share that with others. Being a, being a part of a life group changed my life because I now had friends um, that I was able to have accountability with, um, which I never had before. It was amazing to have that feeling um, that I felt like actually people would care about me um, instead of just having to do everything on my own. I love that. I love Josh too, but that, I love the, that, that piece. It's amazing. You know, figuring out how community can serve you and how we can serve community is a wonderful thing, and it gives us power. But as soon as we do, we, we need to understand that God comes first. That is our first priority. Jesus said, uh, in, in answering, he, he was teaching a parable, and it was about sheep and goats. And he was talking about the final outcome of the sheep and the goats, the sheep on his right, the goats on the left, and how they would be separated, how they would be uh, parceled out, and why. It was because, he, he, Jesus says, because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was Naked you clothed me. When I was in prison, you came to see about me. And sick, you came to see about me. And they, they asked a question that was profound. They said, uh, Lord, uh, when did we see you in that condition? And Jesus answers this question. Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. 
the least of these, my brothers and my sisters. It implies communion. It implies the, 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 the oneness that Jesus had with them. And it says, the least of these, my brothers and my sisters. This is a kingdom commandment that we are to fulfill with each other. Whatever you did for the least of these, that means that we have a, a, a sense of preferential treatment for other believers. We are to walk in that preference. We are to choose to love them. And we choose to love them because we put our first priority for loving God. I got ahead of myself, and I'm sorry. Jesus said, I have, he prayed in, in John 17, 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. Now, I think that is one of the most powerful verses in Scripture. And in the oneness that is talking about here is, is the, the oneness that we experience, the bliss that we experience. And we think about it as, oh, that I will have that when I am in heaven. Well, we, we struggle through some things on earth, but this is a kingdom experience that God wants us to have. And it happens as we love him first. You know, the, the love of God is not because it's, we think it's a good idea or he commands us, but we can love God because he has first loved us. We can love God uh, because he has demonstrated and given us that power, but he has also given us every, everything that he has that we can handle. Everything. And this is love, 1 John 4, 10 through 12. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Our loving God allows us to love others with his love. It is a sickle, it is a circle, it is a, a cyclical relationship. It's not just that I grow wiser and I can forgive more than I, I don't have the capacity. I've been saved nearly 40 years or 40 plus years and, and I still am amazed at the love of God. Yes, I understand some things that I didn't understand 40 years ago, but I don't love God any more than I did then. I'm experiencing more of him and giving him more of myself. God wants us to experience it, but what I have is, is I have more of a comfort in the community that God has given me because I'm not dependent on human beings to do the right thing. Because no matter who it is, at some point, they're going to disappoint you. But God will never disappoint you. God will never disappoint us. And we can't love that way, but we can love because God first loved us. And he empowers us and compels us. His love compels us to share it with others. 
That love is compelling. It is, it is I don't want to say contagious, but it is, it is enticing, the love of God. And he wants us to love him first so that we can love others in the body completely. Does that make sense? And I love the, 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 the fact that God's love doesn't make sense. It is scandalous, if you will. In, in Romans, uh, it says, it's, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for, uh, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were shaking our fists at God in defiance, Christ died for us. When we were saying, no, you can't, Christ died for us. When we were doing everything wrong, Christ died for us. And that love is what he gives us to share with the world, that compelling love. Finally, our love for each other proves that God loves the world. You see, when the world wants to see evidence that God loves them, the Lord has set up the church to be that evidence. And our love for one another is what the world looks at. Jesus said, by this all shall, shall all men know that you're my disciples. There was no other identifying mark, no other identifying technique, no other identifying way to identify that we are Jesus' disciples other than what? Our love for one another. Not because we speak in tongues or raise our hand or play the guitar or don't play the guitar. Nothing else, but it's because of our love for one another. And this love has to be sincere without hypocrisy. This love has to be uh, uh, genuine, and, and the Lord makes it genuine. But this love is proof. In John 17, 23, it says, and he, Jesus continuing to pray, I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity. Complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and I have loved them even as you have loved me. Wow. Complete unity means not that we get along totally harmoniously and never have a cross word for each other. That's not what it's talking about. But complete unity means that our love for others supersedes our love for self, that we have others' best interests at heart, that when there is a mistake and when there is an egregious error or something goes wrong, that we are quick to forgive and quick to seek forgiveness. Those are the characteristics of a loving community, that we love others with the love that God has given us. I cannot tell you how many times I have gone to God and said, oh, God, I did it again. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying, did what? And it's like, oh, Lord, I, I messed up. Okay. And so, so we go to confess our sins before the Lord. But guess what? God doesn't keep score. Neither should we. 
When Jesus was asked by his disciples, how many times should I forgive my brother if he sends you? And Jesus said, 70 times 70. It was an outrageous number, which simply, sim simply meant that you should not stop trying to forgive. We should not stop trying to forgive those in the body of Christ and, and trying to reconcile and work through these situations. Because it gives evidence, proof to the world that God loves us. You see, the world is marred by division, and our love and unity gives the world hope. The world is marred by, by all kinds of phony uh, uh, schemes to make people feel better, but our love in the body is to give the world hope, and it helps to, 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 to help people to, to understand God's love for them is through each other. That's amazing to me that God would entrust so much into us. Our love for each other is God's solution to fix a broken world. That's, that's the solution. And, and as we invite our neighbors, we are inviting them in to, uh, uh, to have a glimpse of the love we share for one another. We're inviting our everyday neighbor into uh, a, an experience with a loving body. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've gone into a household, you've been invited to dinner or something, and you go in the household and there's, there's tension in the house between members of the family. You go, whoa, I don't know if I want to be here. You want to exclude yourself out? You want to invite yourself out? You've been invited in. It's the same way with the church. The last thing in the world someone wants to do is come into a church where someone's always gossiping about somebody else and there's always tension. And I thank God, I thank God that that spirit doesn't reside at victory. I'm not saying it doesn't try. I'm not saying it doesn't, you know, from time to time. We struggle. We all do. But I, that spirit doesn't reside here. And that is not a part of the culture here. We have a culture of pursuing God, and when you pursue God, God is saying, forgive others as I have forgiven you. You see, we prioritize God first in the body. We become living trophies of grace. We become proof that God loves the world. He in us and us in him. And he is part of our fellowship. That's church love. You can experience that church love, not through a religious conversion, but through trusting God. Jesus Christ came to be that perfect sacrifice. He is the perfect lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. I don't always understand it completely, but God laid on him all of the sins of humanity. And we are saved by trusting that finished work on the cross. If you're watching right now and you said, well, I've never experienced that love and I would like to, you can. Simply praying a prayer of salvation, saying, dear God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I believe you sent Jesus to die that I may have life eternal with you. 
I don't know how much I can change, but at this moment, I willingly give you my life, and I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can live according to your word. Thank you for saving me. If you just prayed that prayer just now, someone's going to come and share some next steps for you. But you're part of the family of God, and we want you to be part of the Victory family as well. So there'll be some instructions there. But thank you, and God bless you. And keep loving, keep living, keep trusting God. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Podcast. If this message inspired you, feel free to share it with your friends, family, and social media. And make sure to subscribe to hear future messages from Victory Church. If you'd like to support the mission of Victory, please visit getvictory.net slash give. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day.